Chapter Twelve of the Mystery of the Sycamore by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Garage Fire. Now watch me, he said, and with a quick thrust of his arm down among the ferns, he drew forth a revolver which he turned over to Burden. Land o' goodness! exclaimed that worthy. How'd you know it was there? knew it must be looked for it saw it returned the boy nonchalantly and then hearing a short sharp whistle he looked up at the house to see fleming stone regarding him from an upper window found the weapon fibs he inquired yes mr stone all right bring it up here and ask mr burden to come along Delighted at the summons, Burden followed the boy's flying feet, and they went up to Stone's rooms. A small and pleasant sitting-room had been given over to the detective, and he admitted his two visitors, then closed the door. "'Doing the spectacular, Terence?' Stone said, smiling a little. "'Just one grandstand play,' the boy confessed. As a matter of fact, he had located the pistol some time earlier but waited to make the discovery seem sensational. All right, let's take a look at it. Without hesitation, Burden pronounced the revolver Mr. Wheeler's. It had no initials on it, but from Wheeler's minute description, Burden recognized it beyond reasonable doubt. One bullet had been fired from it, and the caliber corresponded to the shot that had killed Samuel Appleby. "'Oh, it's the right gun, all right,' Burden said. "'But I never thought of looking over that way for it. "'Must have been thrown by a left-handed man.' "'Oh, not necessarily,' said Stone. "'But it was thrown with a conscious desire to hide it, "'and not flung away in a careless or preoccupied moment.' "'And what do you deduce from that?' asked Burden, "'quite prepared to hear the description of the murderer's physical appearance and mental attainments.' Nothing very definite, Stone mused. We might say it looked more like the act of a strong-willed man such as Mr. Wheeler than of a frightened and nervously agitated woman. If either of those two women did it, Burden offered, she wasn't nervous or agitated. They're not that sort. They may go to pieces afterward, but whatever Mrs. Wheeler or Maida undertake to do, they put it all over all right. I've known em for years, and I never knew either of them to show the white feather. Well, it was not much of an indication anyway, Stone admitted, but it does prove a steady nerve and a planning brain that would realize the advisability of flinging the weapon where it would not be probably sought. Now, as this is Mr. Wheeler's revolver, there's no use asking the three suspects anything about it for each has declared he or she used it and flung it away. That in itself is odd. I mean that they should all tell the same story. It suggests not collusion so much as the idea that whoever did the shooting was seen by one or both of the others. Then you believe it was one of the three wheelers? asked Burden. I don't say that yet, returned Stone, but they must be reckoned with. I want to eliminate the innocent two and put the guilt on the third, if that is where it belongs. And if not, which way are you looking? Toward the fire. 
that most opportune fire in the garage seems to me indicative of a criminal who wanted to create a panic so he could carry out his murderous design with neatness and dispatch and that lets out the women not if as you say they're of the daring and capable sort oh they are if maida wheeler did this thing she could stage the fire easily enough or mrs wheeler could either they're hummers when it comes to efficiency and actually doing things you surprise me mrs wheeler seems such a gentle delicate personality yep till she's roused then she's full of tiger oh i know sarah wheeler you ask my wife what mrs wheeler can do tell me a little more of this conditional pardon matter is it possible that for fifteen years mr wheeler has never stepped over to the forbidden side of his own house perfectly true but it isn't his house it's mrs wheeler's her folks are connected with the applebys and it was the work of old appleby that the property came to sarah with that tag attached that she must live in massachusetts also appleby pardoned wheeler on condition that he never stepped foot into massachusetts and there they were it was sarah wheeler's ingenuity and determination that planned the house on the state line and she has seen to it that dan wheeler never broke parole it's second nature to him now of course but i'm told that he did step over the night of the murder that he went into the sitting-room of his wife or maybe into the forbidden end of that long living-room to see the fire it would be a most natural thing for him to do not natural no sir burden rubbed his brow thoughtfully yet he might a done it but one misstep like that ought to be overlooked i think and would be by his friends but suppose there's an enemy at work suppose just as a theory that somebody is ready to take advantage of the peculiar situation that seems to prove dan wheeler was either outside his prescribed territory or he was the murderer to my way of thinking at present that man's alibi is his absence from the scene of the crime and if he was absent he must have been over the line i know this from talks i've had with the servants and the family and guests and i'm pretty confident that wheeler was either in the den or in the forbidden north part of the house at the moment of the murder why don't you know which it was asked burden bluntly because said stone not resenting the question because i can't place any dependence on the truth of the family's statements for three respectable god-fearing citizens they are most astonishingly willing even eager to perjure themselves of course i know they do it for one another's sake they have a strange conscience that allows them to lie outright for the sake of a loved one and it may be commit murder for the sake of a loved one but all this i shall straighten out when i get further along the case is so widespread so full of ramifications and possible side issues i have to go carefully at first and not get entangled in false clues got any clues sir any real ones meaning dropped handkerchiefs and broken cufflinks stone chafed him well there's the pistol that's a material clue but no i can't produce anything else at present well terence what luck 
Fibsy, who had slipped from the room at the very beginning of this interview, now returned. "'It's puzzling. That's what it is, puzzling,' he declared, throwing himself astride of a chair. "'I've raked that old garage fore and aft, but I can't track down the startings of that fire. You see, the place is stucco and all that, and besides, the discipline of this whole layout is along the lines of prison neatness.' everybody that works at sycamore height has to be a very old maid for keeping things clean so there's no chance for accumulated rubbish or old rags or spontaneous combustion or anything of the sort nextly none of the three men who have any call to go into the garage ever smoke in there that's a mede and persian law gee mr wheeler is some efficient boss well, anyway, after the fire, though they tried every way to find out what started it, they couldn't find a thing. There was no explanation but a brand dropped from the skies, or a stroke of lightning, and there was no storm on. It wouldn't all be so sure, but the morning after, it seems, Mr. Allen and Mr. Keefe were doing some sleuthing on their own, and they couldn't find out how the fire started. So they put it up to the garage men, and they hunted, too. It seems nothing was burnt but some things in Mr. Appleby's car, which of course lets out his chauffeur, who had no call to burn up his own duds. And a coat of his was burned, and also a coat of Mr. Keefe's. "'What were those coats doing in an unused car?' asked Stone. "'Oh, they were extra motor coats, or raincoats, or something like that, and they always stayed in the car.' where in the car i asked that fibsy returned and they were hanging on the coat rail i thought there might have been matches in the pockets but they say no there never had been matches in those coat pockets nor any matches in the appleby car for that matter well the fire is pretty mixed up in the murder declared stone now it's up to us to find out how excuse me mr stone and burden shook his head you'll never get at it that way excuse me mr burden fibsy flared back mr stone will get at it that way if he thinks that's the way to look you don't know f stone yet hush up fibs mr burden will know if i succeed and perhaps he's right as to the unimportance of the fire after all you see burton went on unabashed mr keefe now he's some smart in the detective line he said find your phantom bugler and you've got your murderer now what nonsense that is as if a marauding villain would announce himself by playing on a bugle yet there may be something in it demurred stone it may well be that the dramatic mind that staged this whole mysterious affair is responsible for the bugle call the fire and the final crime in that case it's one of the women burton said they could do all that either of them if they wanted to but dan wheeler while he could kill a man on provocation it would be an impulsive act not a premeditated one no sir wheeler could see red and go berserk but he couldn't plan out a complicated affair like you're turning this case into i'm not turning it into anything stone laughed i'm taking it as it is presented to me 
but i do hold that the phantom bugler and the opportune fire are theatrical elements a theatrical element too is the big sycamore and burden smiled now if that tree should take a notion to walk over into massachusetts it would help out some what's that cried fibsy what do you mean well the wheelers have got a letter from appleby written while he was still governor and it says that when the big sycamore goes into massachusetts wheeler can go too but it can't be done by trick i mean they can't transplant the thing or chop it down and take the wood over it's got to go of its own accord mere teasing said stone yes sir just that appleby had a great streak of teasing he used to tease everybody just for the fun of seeing them squirm this whole wheeler business was the outcome of appleby's distorted love of fun and wheeler took it so seriously that appleby kept it up i'll warrant if wheeler had treated the whole thing as a joke appleby would have let up on him but dan wheeler is a solemn old chap and he saw no fun in the whole matter i don't blame him commented stone won't he get pardoned now no sir he won't some folks think he will but i know better the present governor isn't much for pardoning old sentences he says it establishes precedent and all that and the next governor is more likely to say the same i hear young mr appleby isn't going to run no sir he ain't though i dare say he will some other time but this death of his father and the mystery and all is no sort of help to a campaign and two young appleby hasn't the necessary qualifications to conduct a campaign however good he might be as governor after he got elected no sam won't run who will don't know i'm sure but there'll be lots ready and eager for a try at it i suppose so well burden i'm going down now to ask some questions of the servants you know they're a mind of information usually can i go asked fibsy not now son you stay here or do what you like but don't say much and don't antagonize anybody not me f stone well don't shock anybody then behave like a gentleman and a scholar yes sir fibsy ducked a comical bow and burden understanding he was dismissed went home to the dining-room stone made his way and asked a maid there if he might see the cook greatly frightened the waitress brought the cook to the dining-room but the newcomer a typical strong-armed strong-minded individual was not at all abashed what is it you do be wantin sir she asked civilly enough but a trifle sullenly only a few answers to direct questions where were you when you first heard the alarm of the garage fire i was in me kitchen cleanin up after dinner what did you do i ran out the kitchen door and see in flames i ran toward the garage before you ran you were at the rear of the house i mean the south side weren't you yes sir i was you passed along the south veranda not along it the cook looked at him wonderingly but by the end of it like and did you see any one on the veranda any one at all the woman thought hard well i should have said no first off but now you speak of it 
I must say I do have a remembrance of seeing a figure, but sort of vague-like. You mean your memory of it is vague? You don't mean a shadowy figure? No, sir. I mean I can't mind it rightly now, for I was thinking entirely of the fire, and so as I was running past the end of the verandy, all I can say is, I just glimpsed like a person standing there. Standing? Well, he might have been moving. I don't know. Are you sure it was a man? I'm not. I'm thinking it was, but yet I couldn't speak it for sure. Then you went on to the fire? Yes, sir. And thought no more about the person on the veranda? No, sir. And it never would have entered my head again, saving your speaking of it now. Why, was it the, the man that, oh, probably not, but everything I can learn is of help in discovering the criminal and perhaps freeing your employers from suspicion. And I wish that might be, to put it on the good man now, and worse, upon the ladies, angels, both of them. You are fond of the family, then? I am that. I've worked here for eight years, and never a cross word from the missus or the master. As for Miss Maida, she's my darling. They're fortunate in having you here, said Stone kindly. That's all now, Cook, unless you can remember anything more of that person you saw. Nothing more, sir. If I do, I'll tell you. Thinking hard, Stone left her. It was the most unusual case he had ever attempted. If he looked no further for the murderer than the Wheeler family, he still had enough to do in deciding which one of the three was guilty. But he yearned for another suspect, not a foolish phantom that went around piping, or a perhaps imaginary prowler stalking on the piazza, but a real suspect with a sound, plausible motive. Though to be sure the Wheelers had motive enough, to be condemned to an absurd restriction and then teased about it, was enough to make life gall and wormworth to a sensitive man like Wheeler. And who could say what words had passed between them at that final interview? Perhaps Appleby had goaded him to the breaking point. Perhaps Wheeler had stood it, but his wife, descending the stairs and hearing the men talk, had grown desperate at last. Or, and Stone knew he thought this most plausible of all, perhaps Maida, in her window-seat, had stood as long as she could the aspersions and tauntings directed at her adored father, and had, with a reckless disregard of consequences, silenced the enemy forever. Of young Allen, Stone had no slightest suspicion. To be sure, his interests were one with the Wheeler family, and moreover, he had hoped for a release from restrictions that would let the Wheelers go into Massachusetts, and thereby make possible his home there with Maida. For Maida's vow that she would never go into the state if her father could not go, too was, Alan knew, inviolable. All this stone mulled over, yet had no thought that Alan was the one he was seeking. Also, Curtis Keefe had testified that Alan was with him at the fire during the time that included the moment of shooting. Strolling out into the gardens, the detective made his way to the great tree, the big sycamore. Here Fibsy joined him, and at Stone's tactic nod of permission, 
the boy sat down beside his superior on the bench under the tree what's this about the tree going to massachusetts fibsy asked his freckled face earnestly inquiring one of old appleby's jokes stone returned doubtless made just after a reading of macbeth you know or if you don't you must read it up for yourself there's a scene there that hinges on Burgum wood going into durnsony i can't take time to tell you about it but quite evidently it pleased the old wag to tell mr wheeler that he could go into his native state when this great tree went there meaning not at all i suppose of course and any human intervention was not allowed so though Burgum wood was brought to dungsanane such a trick is not permissible in his case however that's beside the point just now have you seen any of the servants some but i got nothing they're willing enough to talk but they don't know anything they say i'd better tackle the lady's maid a fair rachel so i'm going for her but i bet i won't strike pay dirt you may skip along now for here comes miss maida and she's probably looking for me Fibsy departed, and Maida, looking relieved to find Stone alone, came quickly toward him. "'You see, Mr. Stone,' she began, "'you must start straight in this thing, and the only start possible is for you to be convinced that I killed Mr. Appleby. But you must admit, Miss Wheeler, that I am not too absurd in thinking that though you say you did it, you are saying it to shield someone else.' someone who is near and dear to you i know you think that but it isn't so how can i convince you only by circumstantial evidence let me question you a bit where did you get the revolver from my father's desk drawer where he always keeps it you are familiar with firearms my father taught me to shoot years ago i'm not a crack shot but that was not necessary you premeditated the deed for some time i have felt that i wanted to kill that man your conscience is very active i deliberately went against its dictates for my father's sake and you killed mr appleby because he hounded your father in addition to the long deprivation he had imposed on him no not that alone oh i don't want to tell you but if you won't believe me otherwise, Mr. Stone, I will admit that I had a new motive. A new one? Yes, a secret that I learned only a day or so before, before Mr. Appleby's death. The secret was Appleby's? Yes, that is, he knew it. He told it to me. If anyone else should know it, it would mean the utter ruin and desolation of the lives of my parents, compared to which this present condition of living is paradise itself. This is true, Miss Wheeler? Absolutely true. Now, do you understand why I killed him? End of chapter 12